Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast for spiritual seekers and lurkers, the respectfully curious and the pursuers of their passion, hosted by Melanie Dawn, Jen Anderson, and Tanya Ryan. And today it is just me, Tanya Ryan, hosting, um, and I have a very special guest, and I should have this up because I always get your last names backwards, like it's like a dys dys dyslexia issue, but it's either Diane Lynch Doyle or Diane Loyal. No, it's Diane Doyle Lynch. You got, got it. it. I did you it. Because, and <laughs> do you know how I remembered it? Because I couldn't remember it for the longest time. Because you guys did laughing with the Lynches and then you did listening with the Lynches. So I remembered the L's. Right. <laughs> I don't know what it was when I got married. It was just sort of like, I, I can't give up part of my name. I want to, I want them both. <laughs> so I just kept it and I've just gone with it since. That's a, that's a whole thing though. Like I had the same issue when me and my husband got married. And the only reason I didn't hyphenate was because it was like, I was like, oh, that's just too, there's just too much happening there. Um, but it was hard to change my name. Like I didn't, I didn't super, super want to. Um, but I also wanted the same last name as my kids that didn't exist yet. Anyways, it was a whole. I know, right? And, and people just call me Diane Lynch. I have no issues. Like there is no, yeah. Wait a minute. like there's none of that. It literally was, I don't know, maybe just have to know that's just choice I made in the moment, I think. And I just, it's been too, now to have to go change everything would just be such a pain that I just haven't bothered, <laughs> but I'm cool either way. They, they don't make it easy, do they? Nope. Um, what was I going to say about that? Maybe it's like a, some sort of energetic thing. Cause you know how your name carries like energetic weight. So maybe, you know, your spiritual gurus were like up there in the background being like, no, you got to keep this. It's Absolutely. Important. Absolutely. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my super weird introduction of you. And then I'm going to like, let you tell people about you so that they get my super weird way of saying it. And then they get your probably more accurate way <laughs> to introduce yourself. So I met Diane, um, through a friend of mine uh, and her name's Christine Wischke. And I'm actually probably gonna have her as a guest at some point too, because both of you are probably like my favorite human beings in the world. And, um, anyways, I went because Christine Wischke does, um, a really interesting form of massage therapy. And, uh, she referred me to Diane who I lovingly refer to as my gut squisher. <laughs> and so Christine works on all of my, my like back parts and my muscles. And then, um, Diane, you're like my front part therapy. And so Diane squishes all my guts around and makes sure that I work properly. But, um, you have like many things. That's why I'm going to let you kind of like get into how you define yourself and how you define what you do. Um, but I remember when I went to see you for the first time, I was like borderline intimidated because you have such a cool, heavy, like ancient wisdom sort of vibe and I was like oh my gosh I just I don't know what to expect here this is going to be just so cool and then it was so cool and uh and now I just I still worship you from afar and I just get to see you semi-regularly which is fun yay that was a really cool intro <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, been called, I've been called many many things gut squisher is fun Gut squishers. Well, it's like the most crass way to explain what you do. But anyways, I would love you to tell, like explain kind of what you do and you can go into every little, like every part of what you do with your favorite or non-favorite or just chronological order. <laughs> How would you describe yourself? 
I know because people ask all the time, right? What is it exactly that you do? And it took me a long time, I think, to define it. And I still don't think I have a definition that'll stick forever because I don't want to be this person forever either. So it keeps flowing and changing. So I think the most accurate description of what I do is that I'm a holder of healing space. So with the body work that I do, the osteopathic work, the cranial and the visceral, um, I hold space with my hands for bodies that are hurting, that are broken, that are stuck, that are tired, right? That nervous systems that are exhausted, um, wombs that are ready to hold life and make babies. So my hands are my medicine with that, right? With the body work that I do. And then with the women's circles and the retreats and the drumming, the chakra clear, all that kind of stuff, I'm holding healing space for the next level of sort of who we are outside of this bag of bones and skin we carry around, right? It's I'm holding space for people on their soul searching, soul healing journeys. So in a nutshell, right, it's, it's, it's as simple and as complicated as that, but I hold healing space for people. And that's, that's probably the most accurate description, which is very vague. And at the same time, it's very broad, but that, that is what it is. It, it is a broad spectrum because we're so much. And when I started the healing journey, or as a healer or a holder of healing space, it started with bodies because I had hurt my knee. And I thought learning how to fix that was really, really cool. And then as I hurt my heart, I thought, oh, learning how to fix that is really, really cool. And as my, you know, as I hurt my spirit and as I needed to heal ancestral generational things that were going on in the women in my family, I thought, oh, healing that is really, really cool. If I can do it for myself, imagine what I can do holding healing space for other people because I know I'm not the only one who needs it, right? So that's sort of how I got where I'm going. I think that's a wonderful way to describe it. When did you, like, when did you start and what did you start with? So how did this all sort of begin? Were you like six years old and you were just touching people and you were some like, you know, prophetic or prolific, is that the word, um, healer at the age of six? Or did it, it was it started as an interest or did you have, like, I know Christine had a near-death experience that she says that was sort of one of her kind of pushing off points. I was just curious what yours is. Yeah, no. So with, like I said, with the, with the healing part, for me, it started very much in the physical body. I was, uh, I was playing high level basketball, I got injured. And in our town, we lived in such a tiny little town, we didn't have physios or chiros or anything. So I worked with a personal trainer at my gym, basically to do all of my rehab. But that was my interest of okay, I need to know, working on bodies, working on injuries, healing that part of it, I really, really want to know how to do that. And I feel like that would be a really fun career. And so that was really, really from, you know, 15 or 16, I knew I was going to be holding healing space. I just didn't know what it would look like. With the more people ask all the time, were you always super intuitive? Did you always talk to spirit? Did you always? No, um, not consciously out loud, but growing up in Newfoundland, the, like the Celtic history there is so strong that I think everyone there is it leans into that a little bit anyway, right? Like my great grandmother, who was a guide of mine, she used to do healing sessions back in her community with her wedding ring, right? Which I guess would be some sort of Reiki type of energy now. And it was not nothing that was ever taught to her officially. There's no certification, right, that she ever held, but 
that was definitely part of our world. Mm -hmm. And I mean, communication with the fairies and the sea energy and that just it was part of our just our culture growing up right when the ants got mad at you they threatened to leave you on the fairy hill right (laughs) (laughs) if you were being bad right it's like I'm going to take you to the fairy hill and leave you there and they're going to come take you so it was in, in the songs right the songs the old Irish songs these old lullabies there was so much ancient wisdom that I just grew up around so looking back now it was just part of who I was, even though it wasn't something I claimed to be part of. Mm-hmm. Where Where did you grow up? Because I know you, at one point you were in Ontario. Is that where yeah, you grew up? In Newfoundland. Oh, Newfoundland. Okay. Oh, you're way over there. Oh, that's very, that's very mystic. That's almost um, like Celtic or more so. I That's how I think of it. I always think of the East Coast as like um, the, the Celtic version of Canada. Yeah, that the majority of settlers there were Irish, Scottish, French. Um, and I mean, the original people there were the Mi'kmaq, Beothic, right, First Nations. So a lot of Viking history there too. But yeah, it's a very, very different place from everywhere else I've lived. And the community and the culture, is it's a whole different world. But they've kept very true to their Celtic roots, which is interesting. Yeah, even like the, that's actually one of my favorite accents is the Newfoundland accent. Mine comes back when I go home. Does it? Oh, oh I'd sh- love to hear it. <laughs> it's more the sayings, maybe. The sayings come back real quick. Yeah, I bet. Well, I even notice actually when I, because I, when I talk, have phone conversations with someone that's American, I'll notice my accent just gets a little more muted. And then, of course, you're having a conversation with a Canadian, and then you it kind of flourishes. So it is, it is interesting how we kind of, I don't know. I always see it as kind of meeting on some energetic level where you're just like being more. Um, alike have you the best description i could think of is i don't know if you've read um trevor noah's book by any chance no i've heard you talk about it though oh it's so good yeah i love him what he said is that just growing up because he was kind of um he talks in his book about racism and um but basically the thing that saved him was that he learned so many different languages and dialects that he could always talk to someone in their own language and he said that that was such a tool for him because it's kind of like like attracts like and he would get accepted by using slang terms or using language um that they were using and then it, it made him less threatening and it was kind of like a, um, like, I don't know if coping mechanism is a strong word, but that's how I kind of understood it was a coping mechanism for um, how much exclusion he faced. Anyways, very great book. I could like go on, but I won't. Um, so something else that I've noticed with you and like, I love because you're, you're so um, active on social media and I also find you really integrative with your family. And so I love seeing like your boys, they're like little poets and they have just these intense, meaningful, huge, um, you know, videos and poems. And, and I just like, I'm so excited to see what, how their life kind of shifts and evolves with them as they grow um it was that something that you you guys did like consciously like like uh just for a metaphor like you know because we have families that of course go to church every sunday and they they really involve their religion and spirituality into their family life is that something you conscientiously did is integrate spirituality into your family or is it just sort of happened or how would you say that that sort of fits in with your family yeah, I mean, it ends up being a daily conversation in our home. And we decided from from the get-go, um, I'm 
I'm a Gemini, I'm a talker, like words are my love language, right? They're my jam. It's how I, I can't hold them in. <laughs> and so we, and it took my husband a little while to get used to that and sort of jump on board because he was the complete opposite. But when we started having our babies, you know, I made it very clear that I wanted communication to be a million percent open. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got my phone propped up. There we go. But words were going to have to be like, I wanted truth to be everywhere and always. And I didn't want anything to be off limits. And whatever we were existing through, we were going to do it together as a family. And they could choose their own paths, whatever that looked like, if it made sense to them or not. But we would introduce them to a little bit of everything. And um, so that they could actually lean into a little bit of everything to find who they were. It's not ever been like these, this is how we are. So this is how you have to be. Right. But I think because it, the, the space we hold for that is so open that it was very easy for them to find themselves within those spaces. But the kiddos actually were such a huge part of what brought that out in us because um, as intuitive and as, as, as much as I travel within the human realm and others, my kids do so even more. So when I remember my oldest, he was about two, um, and I was lying in bed with him. My husband, it was at night, my husband was out doing something, and I was facing the, the his wall. He was facing out into his room, and I was lying, and I was facing the wall. And he looked at me, and he said, Mom, um, there's a man in my room. And for me, it was an instant panic of oh, somebody's in our house, right? And so, you know, you know that moment where you're afraid to turn around, but you need to turn around. So I did the turnaround, and of course, there's nobody there. And so when I said, "What do you, do you mean? There's a man, right?" And he said, "Right, there's a man right there in my room." And I said, oh, "Okay, well, just tell him that it's time for bed, and and you know, you need to go to sleep. So it's time for him to leave." So he and his little two-year-old voice, right? Bye, bye, man. Good night, man. I have to go to sleep now, man. Right? And <laughs> and then he he said okay he's gone and so right then i knew he was seeing something that i wasn't seeing and i we've since figured out it was a, a great uncle of mine um we'd often smell cigarettes and cologne and that was i was very close to him and i used to roll his cigarettes when i was young as we'd sit have tea but he would come and visit Jalen all the time and Jalen had stories of they would talk about their favorite ice cream and they would talk about their favorite colors and so to be open to spirituality to be open to there's so much more, more to this world than what we see to be open to looking in the spaces between the spaces was a necessity because that was part of who they were and then Keegan came along and he was exactly the same, right? So he was maybe three and I was going to work. I'd had clients that night and he said, mom, can you sing me a song? And I said, well, I got to go. I got to go with my clients, but dad will sing you a song. And he said, "Never mind, I'll ask Anna. And I said, uh, who's Anna? And he said, Anna, the lady who sings me songs at night, like as if it was nothing. We don't know anybody named Anna. And there certainly isn't anybody physically we were inviting to our home to sing him songs at night. But they were very, very closely are very open to everything that was around them and we kept those doors very very open for them so it just became part of who they are right mm -hmm. that's so yeah. cool so i i hear a lot like because obviously i listen to lots of spiritual podcasts and now the like spirituality and kids dynamic is something i'm paying a little bit more attention to than i did before um so like there's like kind of a common 
um, what is it called? I guess controversy around spirituality and kids. Like when is it okay to introduce them to this or how should they be introduced to that? And so did you ever have any like doubts or, or concerns about having them be so open spiritually? Or was that just something where like, no, this makes sense to me? Or did you do anything? Or I guess like my question would be is if there was someone who is going, I'm noticing that my kid seems really intuitive or spiritual, and maybe either they themselves as the parent are not, and they don't know kind of how to hold space for their kid. Do you have any advice for that person? Well, like I know for us, it just the protection part of it became big. Our house is very busy um, in terms of energy, as are many people's, and the kids were definitely picking up on it. So we made sure that the house was very protected energetically. The, my boys both did their Reiki attunements so that they knew how to protect their own energy. Um, and that's something I've suggested to, to a lot of parents who have come with that. They're like, I don't know, but this, I don't know what to do. They're so open. They're taking on so much of everybody else's stuff. And there's a lot of beautiful Reiki practitioners around who actually offer these sessions for kids. And it teaches kids how to protect their own space. So uh, that's something I always recommend to other people. But I don't know, these, these little people, just because they're little, they're coming in with so much brilliant information. I feel like the, the last thing that we need to be doing is to be, you know, sitting in fear of what they're trying to tell us, or they're coming to change things, they're coming to sh shake stuff up a bit, and they're going to be teaching us how to open up even more. So, I, you know, if your kids are telling you something, my advice is sit down and listen. And with a really, really, like with a wide open heart, right? That's what we say all the time. I listen with my heart wide open and I'll listen with my soul wide open, right? And I li listen with my heart and soul so open that my mind has no choice but to follow. So this is how, right? So listen with open hearts and open, and then the mind will come, even if it doesn't always make sense at first, right? That's so cool. So do you have like a, um, and I know it would probably be, I'm asking a really hard question now, but I was going to say, do you have like a favorite moment of something that your kids have come or said to you in sort of like a spiritually driven way? I know. See, that's a big one, right? Okay. Just, just to, the first, how about this instead of your favorite, just the first one that comes to mind. Um, I just love this, the stories, like the one you just told about the man coming into the room and Anna, like just anything else that I guess, I don't know. I just think like little people say such prolific things sometimes. And, and I just, you know, so I feel like you and just the things you've posted and stuff that you probably just have your jaw dropping on the daily with these kids. Cause they just probably say all sorts of things. So I don't know, just anything else that you could share that they've shared with you. That's just kind of been neat. You know, one thing that was really funny is that every time I was pregnant, Keegan would tell me before I knew. Oh, really? So, like there was one time and he might've just been about four or five. It was one of the earlier losses that I had, but I was sitting at the kitchen table with him and he said something about well, the baby. Well, when the, when the baby comes and I said, what baby? And his jaw dropped and he put his hand over his mouth and he's like, Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Never mind. And he ran upstairs. Like he, like he just told the secret and got in trouble for it. So it's like yeah. somebody whispered that, but every time I would, he, anytime he said something of, well, maybe we should, this could be for the baby. I'd find out a few days later that I was pregnant and it happened every single time, which was pretty intense. So every time he said it, I was like, dude, <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> That's but, so crazy. I know. Um, do you mind if I ask you a little bit about some of your challenges with um, conceiving? No, of course. 
Um, so, and I'll like, let you elaborate on it, but did you know, cause you just had, how old is Rhea? She'll be two on November 10th. Oh my gosh. Time flies. I okay. But she was kind of like a long time coming, so to speak. Um, did you know she was coming? Like, were you like, she's coming. I just don't know when. Yeah. So I could feel her years and years and years ago wanting to be here. Now I know for me, I needed to be a very different person in order to get her here than I was way back when. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember it was probably after the fifth miscarriage. Um, that one nearly destroyed me. It was very traumatic physically because I was in my second trimester. It was, um, it was very traumatic emotionally, obviously, but like it, it, that one just about broke me. Mm. It was maybe six months later and Glenn was actually going to go get a vasectomy because it sort of got to a point where it's like, I don't know if I can survive anything like that again, either one of us. Right. Mm. And, um, the day before his appointment, I had like the most massive anxiety attack where it's like, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. And all I could say to him was like, you cannot get it done. You can't, you can't go. You can't, you have to cancel your appointment. Cancel. The, right. It's literally like I had her screaming in my ear, like I am coming. I promise. I promise. Just wait a little longer. Just keep the door open a little longer. And so he canceled. Um, cause he saw my reaction. He's like, okay, no, I, I'll cancel. Like <laughs> it's okay. Um, but that's what it was. I could hear her. I dreamt about her nearly every night. I saw her in almost all my meditations. Like she just was always there as this like little presence just waiting to come. And so then I knew I had to do a lot of work to get to a place where I could hold that space for her. Right. But I, yeah, I always knew she was coming. It always felt like every time for the longest time, every time I looked at a family picture, it was that feeling that someone's missing. Mm-hmm. Right. Every single time from when the when the boys were really little, it was just like there's somebody missing from that picture. Do you think that that's like that's kind of even what Keegan was saying sometimes, like when he talk about the baby, like he knew she was coming too. Yeah, that's so absolutely. Cool. Um. Oh, I had a question and it left me. I always want to call her Luna because it's Rhea Luna, isn't it? It's Rhea Luna. Rhea Luna Blue. That's act like that's Luna Blue is her middle name. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, it's funny because I wrote, like I wrote down your kids' names just to like have, like I have notes, right? And and I wrote down Luna and I, right as I was about to say, I was like, no, close, but it's not that. It's Rhea. That's what it is. Anyway, it's so funny, but I always want to call her Luna. Well, she initially, because she, so she's a blue moon baby. I got pregnant with her on the night of the blue moon. And um, in the, early in the pregnancy, you know, actually, as soon as I sort of backdated it, and I was like, well, it's it was the blue moon weekend, right? That she, that we conceived her. And, and it, right away I said to Glenn, I was like, well, her name's just going to have to be Luna blue, right? Blue moon. And so he was on board. And so for her, the first few months of the pregnancy, her name was Luna. Oh, that's and, so cool. And then I had a dream about, she visited me lots. She, we chatted lots when I was pregnant with her. She was very, very, she, she has a different way of communicating and she did in utero. Now she has her words, but for a while she didn't, but you could still hear what she was saying. Um, but she came to me in a dream and she said, my name's not Luna, it's Rhea Luna. And I said, okay, well then, your name, okay. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, 
I don't, I don't know how to ask this. So please uh, like give me grace if I'm, if I don't do a good job of doing it with um, tact, but with the losses and the, and the miscarriages that you had, do you feel like there was any sort of like, um, I don't know, like meaning or spiritual implication behind those losses? Or do you feel like those were symbolic or like serve some sort of purpose? I guess what I'm always looking for is kind of, um, and, and it's probably like a, a fruitless journey, but I'm always sort of looking for the purpose behind trauma and from like a, like a spiritual evolution standpoint, it's like, well, this has to kind of impact me somehow in a way that ultimately is good because you know the experience itself is not you know a great experience so i like to think that there serves some sort of higher purpose and i was just wondering i guess what you feel about that and if you feel like any of your experiences with with those losses had have had any impact on you in a way that feels um like meaningful and where I am in, like the situation I'm in now, I can, I found the sort of the, the meaning behind it for me. I want to be gentle because I know before her coming and before that healing part of myself, I was searching for that meaning, but I was so lost in the grief of it. So for mamas who are sitting in loss, to hear like, oh yeah, there was definitely meaning in that sort of makes you want to like barf, you know, cause it's, it's, you, you don't ever want to be in that much grief and then listening to someone be like, oh yeah, it was all meant to be, you know, it was all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. It was all, but for me, and this is where a lot of the spiritual healing had to come in, but I have, I, I, I hosted a 30 day womb healing course not long ago and that was sort of the last piece of the puzzle for me that i actually was like had my aha moment of of why and she was holding space for me to be a better mom for her um and in my situation spiritually there there was a there was a a fracture or a tear in the tapestry in the women in my family in the long line of women who have come before me there was trauma from mother to daughter so and i don't even know how far back it goes but i know it goes back quite a few generations of mothers abandoning daughters mothers kicking out daughters mothers fighting with daughters and so my great grandmother kicked out my grandmother at 14. my my grandmother my maternal grandmother dropped my mom off on the on their grandmother's doorstep when she was two when my mom got pregnant with me she actually had an iud because she had a two-year-old and a three-month-old so like she wasn't trying to have another baby, but it's this energy of you're not wanted, you're not wanted, you're not wanted from grandmother or from mother to daughter, from mother to daughter in a very long line. Sorry, I'll get emotional, but they're truth tears. It's just good tears. It's not sad tears. Um, so for me, and even with like, I have a great relationship with my mom and she's a fabulous woman and she's a fabulous mother, but that's the energy I came into the world with because not only did I have that being carried within my own mom of oh no this is not when she's supposed to come this is not what i wanted i was all i was carried in my mom when my mom was being carried by her you know within her mm -hmm. mom so because you're carried in the womb of your grandmother right for a while via your mom so like i had all this energy coming into this lifetime of um not being wanted by the women in my line um and 
didn't have a super close relationship with my sister growing up. I don't have a whole lot of memories of her being young and being fun sisters and spending a lot of time together as sisters. It's like that wasn't a thing. I sort of always kept women in my life just an arm's length away. Like, so I knew that there was a disconnect there with me and women. As much as I love women, and this is why I create sister circles, because I was searching, right? And, and needing that bond so much. I just surrounded myself with it for the last few years, trying to fix that, trying to heal it, trying to bring it back into my life because it had been missing for so long. Um, and then I got to the place with Rhea where I got pregnant with her because I had no issues with my boys. Dream pregnancies, pregnant the first time I tried, no complications, no issues. And then to have everything switch of me getting my little girl here because I knew it was her, right? I knew she wanted to come and I knew it was a feminine energy that needed to be here. But I got to the point where in order to break that line, in order to stop that trauma cycle, in order to close that chapter in the, in the wounds that had been following the line of women in my family for so long, I needed to be a mom who no, not only did I want to get her here um, and have you know, no doubts in my mind whatsoever that I wanted my daughter, I was actually willing to die for her to get her here, right? Like, so she will never wonder if her mom wanted her here, <laughs> right? So for me, that was a healing journey I needed to go on. And I feel like she was my teacher in that, right? Mm -hmm. She, she was holding healing space for me to get to a point where I can say that line, that broken line of women in my family, now it stopped with me and it won't be her experience in life mm -hmm. as a woman. She will be loved by her mama, right? Mm -hmm. Feel wanted by her mama. So that's a long, <laughs> it took me a long time to get here. So it was a long story to tell, but that's definitely part of the, like a, a huge piece of the puzzle for our journey together, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That was, that was really amazing. And I'm really, really grateful. Um, I will, can you, do you want more Instagram followers or Facebook? Like, do you want to give us your, your social media handles so we can follow you? Sure. So, um, I just recently changed my Instagram. It used to be Soul Conversations, but I've changed it to Blue Moon Wild because everything in my life, the magic of the Blue Moon came in and shifted everything for me over the last few years. And so I'm honoring that. My body fit therapy is now Blue Moon Healing. My Instagram is now Blue Moon Wild. So you can look for Blue Moon stuff and you'll find me for sure. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Um, and then if, uh, we wanted to get a hold of you for treatments, like if anyone's local, do you, are you, you have a website, don't you Yep. see things I should have researched and written down before I got here? What's your website? So that's, again, I'm in transition for the name. So that's still body fit therapy. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Bodyfittherapy.com. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that I'll post all of your information on, um, the info in this, uh, episode, but thank you. Thank you so, so, so much for, for being here and hopefully we can have you back again for another chat. And, uh, it's been just wonderful. Thanks for having me.
Anytime. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Spiritual Boss. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Please click the subscribe button. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we're so grateful if you would leave us a positive review so more people can find us. Um, we welcome emails, spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com. Peace in, peace out.